Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I am Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, we talked to you midweek last week. Uh, we were both kind of under the weather. We were both stressing out about life. So we pushed the show back a little bit, and we're kind of glad we did because um, <laughs> later Sunday night when we usually tape, uh, we had the two tornadoes go through Dallas, and we talked about that. So that was cool uh, operationally um, from a meteorology standpoint man right we saw yeah. the cool graphs we saw the pressure drops um we complained about how bad tv was when they decided to not break into the dallas cowboys football game <laughs> but we're back with you just four days later and bonnie we knew the tropics were going to be quiet and we talked about it, that there's no storms that are going to form in the next 48 hours to five days well man were we wrong Right. We got two, right? The O and the P. Yep, we got O and P. Olga formed in the Gulf of Mexico uh, and was going to threaten the Texas and Louisiana Gulf Coast, and then she died. <laughs> Three well, public advisories. I mean, way to go, go or uh, way to go, Olga. Let's say that five <laughs> times fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Olga. Nice to meet you. Done. <laughs> hey, I'm just glad we got an Olga. You know, short-lived, tiny baby Olga. That's still an epic name for a big hurricane. Right. And it wasn't even a hurricane. It barely made tropical storm status. Oh, Olga. Then, a for effort. Yeah, well, A for effort and, you know, F for lack of actually doing anything. <laughs> but we, F for execution. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then we go and we get Hurricane Petey Pablo. <laughs> Except he's not raising up in North Carolina, and the shirts are not off making helicopters. Uh, Pablo <laughs> is a hurricane, as I said, uh, but Pablo's on the other side of the Atlantic. Pablo is currently, uh, let's pull up the actual locations, because you're going to love to hear where this is. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not where I wanted to see. Uh, I want forecast advisor. Here we go. For Hurricane Pablo. Hurricane Pablo, you ready? is 535 miles northeast of the Azor Islands. Now, if you are familiar with your eastern Atlantic geography, that's relatively close to the coastline of Portugal and Spain. I feel like you don't hear Portugal and Spain and hurricane like all in the same sentence like very often. You don't. Um, and I will say this, if you go back and look at the track that Pablo has made, Pablo has made a giant left-hand turn, again, not usually the, the direction made, uh, but started around the Azores and then looped around, and then it's, like we said, currently out there just doing his thing uh, with uh, plenty of uh, motion left. It's going to be one of those storms that we joke about is going to make that full like 360-degree track. Uh, by the time we get to Tuesday, it will be downgraded from a hurricane to a tropical storm. Most likely, it will be downgraded from a tropical storm in the next couple hours. But 
yeah, currently Pablo is off the coast of Portugal and Spain. <laughs> well, not our problem, I guess, but right. it doesn't sound like he's going to be really anybody's problem because he's just chilling out there over the water. Yes, he is. And so uh, Pablo is, like we said, a hurricane. Uh, current sustained winds of 75 miles an hour, so he's a baby cat one. Uh, oh. Moving north, northeast at 32 miles an hour. Oh. So the forward velocity, I mean, if we were looking at gate to gate, if we were going to compare, going to compare him with a tornado, um, you know, we're looking at 108 miles an hour, or 118 miles an hour. Eh, so what, mid EF2? Yeah, I mean, which could still do some oh, yeah. damage, but I mean, you know. Yeah, listen, 75 miles an hour, 75 mile an hour winds is nothing to laugh at. I mean, the thing's there, so. But you know, it would definitely yeah. knock down a Bradford pear tree. I'm just saying. <laughs> we'll get into that. If you guys don't know that 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 reference, we'll we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, um, yeah. If you but like I said, go to the National Hurricane Center, their website nhc.noaa.gov, and just take a look at the map where you expect to see tropical storms and hurricanes. And then up in the right hand corner, there's Pablo. You just have to squint to see it. No, oh, don't. Yeah, literally, it's like you're not like if you look at a map. Like, okay, I know usually most most storms are coming off Africa, or maybe they're down around the Caribbean Sea, maybe in the Gulf of Mexico, or they're in the Western Atlantic. No, no, no. Pablo is in the upper right hand corner. <laughs> you have to like close one eye to see it, you know. Yeah, but, exactly. but he's there. He's right? there. Well, let's put it this way: Pablo is very close to the forty fifth parallel. Okay which is halfway between the equator and the Arctic Circle. I live <laughs> I live north of the 45th parallel in the state of Oregon, okay? The 45th parallel runs through Oregon and then it uh continues to trek across, you know, the United States, crosses northern Michigan. Um it's the dividing line of Canada and New York and a couple of other states and then it bisects the state of Maine. Well, that's how north Pablo is. He's getting into that area where it would be, uh, I believe, extra tropical. So we'd have to go back and revisit that podcast to determine when a storm becomes extra tropical. But he's getting into that area. So that's where he's Pablo is. He's kind of pulling a Dorian. He is. But Pablo has raised up. So there's where that's what Pablo is up to. So those are, that's your tropic updates. Wow. Well, hey, we only got a few letters left. Right. Well, a little more than a few letters left to get to Z. But, I mean, we're kind of chugging along, so we'll just see what happens. Yes, we are. And so, uh, like I said, we've gone through Pablo. And up next we have Rebecca, Sebastian, Tanya, Van, and Wendy. So we have five name storms left on on the list. So, Well, we're crushing it, and there's still a few weeks, so let's... No, I would really like to complete this alphabet. <laughs> right? No, I, I totally understand. Uh, and again, for those of you who are not familiar, what would happen, say, if we get to a six-name storm, additional names would be taken from the Greek alphabet. So, I don't know where the next A would be, but, hey, if you speak Greek, reach out, let us know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I took that back. Never mind. So, uh, it would be Alpha. Yeah. Yeah, then beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta. You know, meteorology loves its Greek letters, loves the Greek letters. (laughs) Yes, we do. Um, Yeah, so that's what's going on in the tropics. Uh, Back stateside, storm-wise, 
Uh, it was a fun little week. We had, you know, different lines of thunderstorms come through. We had the snow in Amarillo, which was awesome to watch. Um, let's just talk about that snow for a second, sure. because I believe it was Arnett, Oklahoma, which is in the armpit of Oklahoma, like the little corner there of the panhandle and the main body of the state. So it looks like the armpit. It They got 13 inches of snow in a 24-hour period. Oh, that's amazing. That is the that's record snowfall for the month of October. They set the record for inches of snow fallen in a twenty four hour period for the month of October, and it came out of nowhere. And you know, no models picked it up. The only one that picked up snow during the week in Oklahoma was the European model. Interesting. And that's why we believe the European model when it comes to winter weather. Right. For the most part, it yes. handles it. It handles it a lot better than. Other models do. For whatever reason, I don't know what secret they've got or if they just deal with winter weather more. So they, I don't know. But the European, right. that's what we want. Last week we talked on the on the show that you and I both were having a exciting weather weekend. And we will get into that in just a minute. But um, we had the Oregon AMS 27th Annual Winter Weather Forecast Conference. And one of our speakers, um, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Cliff Mass from the University of Washington, who does these high-resolution models, like down to 1.3 kilometers. So, I mean, it's it's highly detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, was talking about how sometimes you look at the European model, and it will just constantly say, oh, you know, we're staying in a ridge, staying in a ridge, staying in a ridge, outlook past two weeks in a ridge, and yet, you know, sure enough, Days five and six, by the time it shows up, ridge is broken down, uh, low pressure is coming in, we're getting snow, getting wind, a whole number of things, but yet the model insists on this. And so, yes, the European model does fantastic when it comes to winter weather, um, temperature, you know, differential with like heat waves and cold snaps and tropics. But like with all model solutions, take it with a grain of salt. So Right. For sure. Every time. It's just... The Euro gets it pretty well oh, yeah. when There's, it comes to winter. But, the, yeah, again, you're right. Like, don't but, take it as black and white. Right. But as you said, there's a reason why we in the weather community refer to it as King Euro because it is. It's the best model out there. So, But, you know, one thing I really like about just the weather community around the world for the most part is that we share our information. Right. For the most part, yeah. That is, that is nice. I think that's really a good thing number one it's just like you know building that bond between countries and science and everything but also it really helps to know what's going on around the world to help you know what could happen in your own backyard or see what patterns are coming around the bend kind of thing and so it's like i don't know i just think that's very good no, I do, too. Weather community. I, I do too. I think that's that's a good thing to have. And, you know, like you said, we have uh, agreements in place with, you know, the Japanese meteorology guys, the Australians, uh, the Euro Consortium. So, yeah, I think weather data is important. And I think we all use each other's stuff, but um, it was great. And I'm glad that the European nailed the snow in Oklahoma. I thought it was cool to watch. Um, yes. So, man, just great. But that storm system that created that also kicked off a couple tornadoes. Did you see the video out of Mobile, Alabama? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, seven tornado reports in a very, very confined area around Mobile. 
um, on Friday. And the videos, if you have not seen it, just hop on Twitter anywhere. I know that we retweeted some of the videos on the Weather Podcast uh, Twitter page, but um, watching storms blow people's houses apart, um, like fences and moving cars. Um, the video that I saw today, and I got to figure out where it's at, that launched the porta potties into the sky. Was pretty cool. Oh yeah. So, really cool stuff happening. I mean, not not a whole large outbreak like what we saw last Sunday, but still still legit. Well, and then on top of that, you know, we've got winter weather, we've got tornadoes, and we've also got fire weather going on in yes, California. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And the Santa Anas are relentless, and that stuff is still happening. And you know, the people of California, we are thinking about you. It is not an easy thing to go through, but man, you know, again, power lines and other things come down. They spark fires, you know, just and not it's good. dry and it's yep. windy out there and they have another day being in extreme fire danger for another 24 hour period. So yep. it's going to be another rough day. Yeah. And they're saying that this could be the worst that they've seen in a very, very long time. Yes. And so that is, yeah, like you said, our hearts go out to them, evacuate if you're told to, and just be safe. Yep. Gusting this morning between 40 and 50 miles an hour and then possibly increasing um, tonight, but not good. And then that's down near L.A., up near San Francisco, uh, and up through, like, Sacramento. Again, they're experiencing the same stuff, and uh, not good. Just a lot, a lot of, you know, high wind warnings are up. Uh, there's a lot of, ri- there's a big ridge of high pressure that's, that's creating this and man, not good. Well, and I saw this very scary video. Um, I think it was in the town or County of Sonoma possibly. Yes. And they were sounding their air raid sirens yep. and they were using it for evacuation notice. And just like the sound of those sirens was so freaky. Right. Oh, so North Bay and East Bay. So areas north of San Francisco and up around, you know, north of Oakland. Uh, gusting 65 to 80 miles an hour on the highest peaks up in the mountains. Sustained 15 to 35, but much higher gusts. Down on the valley on the coast, 15 to 25 sustained, gusting to 50. San Francisco Peninsula Coast. Um, so basically where the city of San Francisco is, down through like to Half Moon Bay. Um, easily from 3 a.m. through 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. Uh, sustained winds 15 to 30 miles an hour, gusting 35 to 55 miles an hour. Uh, late last night into today, Santa Cruz Mountains, again, 15 to 30 sustained, gusting 35 to 55. Extreme fire behavior, gusting strong potential winds, low humidity, damaging stuff. Uh, red flag warnings out for the entire area. And if you look at just like Northern California, a majority of Northern California is under a high wind warning right now. Jeez, it, it's not good. No, no, it's not. And they they need some of the rain that we had. It rained for two days here, right. a very cold rain, and they they could definitely use that. And so many videos of the, the big airplanes going and dropping the. It's not water. What is that red fire stuff? retardant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oof, 
just it's it's intense and i couldn't handle that I, that's so scary so our hearts right. go out to everybody in california it's true and you know having to evacuate or needing that you might have to possibly evacuate because of that yeah and not knowing if you're going to come back to your home or not exactly exactly um we've talked about the show that i love that tv show live pd Mm-hmm. which is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to hang out on a Friday or Saturday night and you have no life and you're coped up on your couch, turn on Live PD on A&E. It is fantastic. But they have a sister show called Live Rescue. The episode I was watching this week was following firefighters from L.A. around battling a wildfire in an urban setting, and it was fantastic to watch. Wow, I bet that was intense oh, and they, awesome. They're going door to door trying to evacuate people. And this poor girl, she's probably 13 or 14. Well, I need to get my four family dogs out. And the firefighter's like, you do not have time. <gasps> and eventually they did evacuate the dogs. About an hour later, a family friend came and got them and put them in a car. The house did catch fire but did not burn down. So they were battling the fire. But yeah, it was intense. The firefighter's like, listen, honey, we have to go. And we have to go now. Wow. I'm glad they took the dogs because that was my next thing is please take your dogs if you have to evacuate. Exactly. Any pets. Any pets. But it's not one of those things where it's a a thing of convenience for the dog. It's grab the dog, throw in the car, and go. Yeah. Like don't worry about putting it in its kennel, putting on its collar, blah, blah, blah. Just pick it up, scoop it up, and throw it in the car and go. Yep. Clyde getting ride shotgun. <laughs> He's good at riding shotgun. I bet he is. I bet he is. Anywho, again, you know, our hearts are with those in California dealing with this. So please, 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 please heed the warnings. If they tell you to evacuate, go. Right. You know, and don't hesitate. Yeah. Just don't. But, uh, you know, weather conditions are favorable for fires and we know that you know they're doing the rolling blackouts from pg and e because you know their transmission lines have a tendency to come down and spark fires which we won't even get into the infrastructure about that i know that it's a big area of discussion right now in emergency management but please secure your power lines yeah that's that's all we ask bury them you know it's almost easier it's true not to worry about them it's true it's an old outdated technology. I'm just saying, you know, if you don't bury your power lines, there's really no reason to have power anymore. Yeah. We can all live off the grid, but. Not well, but we could. Yeah, we, we would make it work. It'd be really tough to take B squared your weekly weather podcast, but I'm sure we'd find a way. Smoke signals, Morse right. code, something. We would do it. <laughs> Morse code. Yeah, I can't, yeah, we won't. We just won't do it. But, um. Let's make the transition from what has been going on to what you and I got to experience yesterday. Why don't you go first? I know that you had the National Weather Center in Norman, Oklahoma. You had your annual, is it winter party or, or not winter party, but weather fest? Yeah. Yeah. It's the National Weather Festival in Norman um, at the Weather Center there in Norman, which houses, it's a government building and it houses everything. It's got the Storm Prediction Center, the Weather Service in Norman, um, the Oklahoma Mesonet the OU School of Meteorology, the National Severe Storms Lab, but just a bunch, a, a bunch of stuff. It's all in that one building. And so they opened it to the public, just about all of it. There was some areas that were restricted access and whatever, but um, you did get a tour of the Storm Prediction Center and the Weather Service in Norman, which are right next door to each other on the same floor. 
So that's very interesting because the Storm Prediction Center communicates with local weather service offices across the country, and then they communicate to their local community. So it's that trickle-down effect. So it's nice that us here in Oklahoma have that right here with us. So, um, but it was so good. It was, everybody was there. Um, all the TV station meteorologists were there. All of their helicopters were there and their storm chase vehicles. And, um, it was, it was so good. It was so good. It just really, I was geeking out hardcore. Like I was just, I was on cloud nine and you know, it's really making me want to go back. So I think I'm going to go back to school and, and finish all that up and get that degree that I want. Did you take lots of pictures? Yes. I cannot wait to see these. I've got a really good panoramic picture on my personal page that I'll retweet on our podcast, okay, Twitter page. Um, I got some of OU's mobile radars. I actually took a couple of videos. One of them was on Ooh. and turning. So I got some good pictures. And on top of that, they had everything else out there. They had ambulances, fire trucks, police cars. Um, they had a couple of different mobile emergency management vehicles they had a moore's emergency management mobile van out there and they also had uh i can't remember if it was creek chickasaw one an indian tribe emergency management vehicle was out there as well and og&e was out there and so it was nice they just they kind of encompassed the whole thing not just weather but you know all the little branches off of that you know like the emergency management so it was it was awesome and they have it every year so like i said last week if you're in this area you should try to go every year because it's it's so much fun how many of the students from ou turn out for this um a lot and actually a lot of the meteorology students run it like they put up different students in different areas like they have ones that man each elevator to make sure people aren't going to floors they shouldn't go to so they have them posted up in different areas just as like security in a way like, Oh, if you can't go over here, turn around that kind of thing. Gotcha. I'm trying to think I've been to the national weather center. What floor can you not go to? Um, there's a couple. And honestly, I'm not sure. I don't think you can go to the fourth or fifth and they didn't take anyone up to the observation deck. Well, that's dumb. It's the best part of the thing. Well, yeah. And I think it's just cause there was a certain, I got you. Yeah, no, I, I federal, I, yeah, you know, I, I that understand. kind of thing. Yeah, I got you. I totally understand. Um, but that sounds like a b- absolute blast. I cannot wait to see the videos and the pictures. So please send them. Um, yeah, you got. I, I want to see. Um, so that sounds like a lot of fun out here in Portland. We had the Oregon AMS twenty seventh annual winter weather forecast conference. Um, normally it's a two hour event where we bring in three or four guys and they do their winter prognostication and, you know, either people get really excited for the chance of lowland snow or they don't. And so we kind of did a curveball in the event yesterday where we invited Dr. Cliff Mass from the University of Washington to come down and give an update on high resolution models, um, and some of the stuff that they're working on at the University of Washington. One thing that he shared with us, which I think is pretty cool, um, in you know in the Pacific Northwest, we don't have a lot of uh, ability to gather ground truth once we get to the ocean, right? So we're relying on radar, we're relying on a satellite, uh, maybe some buoys and ship reports. So obviously, all that data gets ingested in the model, and then it spits out a you know what they believe to be the correct solution, and most times that's right. Well, you know the Oregon coast doesn't have a radar, and 
you know, I'm the chairman of that committee, so I'm working on that, working with our local elected officials to try and get that uh, in place or at least, you know, see the NOAA weather radar gap study, which has been going through the congressional process, and it's now been that way for almost three years. But, man, um, it's just been – it's one of those things where we're just – waiting for it to happen and so hopefully soon it will do that but uh dr mass was talking about all the cool technologies they're working with including and this is the fascinating thing to me he is working with a company that has developed a mobile buoy that's basically on a surfboard that's cool and they have strung out a fleet of these things on the pacific coast out in the ocean and he didn't go into the size of it, but from what I gather, it's at least like 23 to 25 feet long. They have the full instrument array, so anemometer, pressure, wave temperature, or water temperature, wave height. I mean, everything you want in a buoy, but in a very new and compact and succinct looking um, package. And they basically call it a sailboat. It kind of looks like a surfboard sailboat hybrid. But he said in the next, like, two to three years, they expect to have a fleet, like, of 150 of these things out there. And what's really cool is they can move them around. So they're not just stationary, where they literally can move them into an area where they need to get more data. And so that was really cool. So um, once I go back and watch the video again, uh, I'll be able to share the link on our Facebook page and out on Twitter. But that was really cool to see new applied technology happening into the weather world. So that was really cool. Um, some additions to the new models, uh, going through and looking at a higher resolution and going through and using computing power. And then he talked about for the Northwest, we had this phenomenon out in the Pacific Ocean called the blob, where we have warmer than average sea surface temperatures, and that affects, you know, close in weather, right? So most of the West Coast, so Oregon, Washington would feel it, and maybe even into Idaho. And he was saying how this warm ocean water affects our daily lows more than does our highs. But he Hmm. goes, we took all this information, we ingested into models, and then we ran a climate model and used it to determine, you know, is global warming real or is it false or, you know, does the impacts really happen as people believe they are. And it was cool to go through and listen. He goes, listen, uh, we'll say this. When you put warmer sea surface temperatures, you're obviously going to have warmer temperatures on land. That's just the way it works because you're so close to that body of water. However, we're finding that those temperatures aren't affected as much during the day as they are at night, which makes sense if you know you know much about meteorology, right? Mm-hmm. Night comes in, you're going to get the land breeze, temperatures, if warmer water, warmer air above it. Air gets transported, warmer air above, you know, the ground. So just really interesting to dive into that and then dive into a bunch of other stuff. He took a Q&A at the end of the session and somebody said, listen, how do we know if global warming or climate change is real? And he goes, well, that's a great question. He goes, there's a lot of information out there to suggest that it is. He goes, but I will tell you this right now. I think when you started the century, there was climate variability, right? We know that you know things move in waves. We have cycles. He goes, I think there's a little bit of human interaction now with our climate. He goes, but I think by the time we get to the turn of the next century, most of the climate variability will be based on human caused. 
But he goes, I think a lot of stuff is blown out of proportion right now. He goes, I'm sure I'll get heat for that. But it's one of those things where, yes, we are causing it. And we know this. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. We know that humans have the ability to impact the climate. But he goes, yes. I think that we have to you know, take a step back and look at everything and not imagine, you know, not immediately jump to the worst case scenario. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a good point. And I also think that because we've all realized that, that there's a lot of things being done to exactly. counteract that, you know, like exactly. reusable grocery bags and things like that, you know? So it's like, I think that will also have an impact because right. if we hadn't been trying to change some habits that we've had, oh, then sure. it would be further along or worse than it is now. Exactly. If that makes sense. And he goes, and he goes, listen, the United States does a really good job and we're very conscious about it here, but he goes, we still can't control downstream. And you know, if China's putting up 30 new coal plants every month, yeah, he's like that, that affects us regardless. And so, you know, we can do what we can. It's just, everybody has to adopt, you know, a policy, which I, again, I don't know if that would ever happen. Um, my guessing is it's pretty unlikely, but hey, you know, as long as people are taking steps to help mitigate, you know, a possible change to the climate by the time we get to the end of the century, I think those moves are good. But uh, it was really cool. We had three forecasters who came in, uh, National Weather Service, a private forecaster uh, for one of the tribes, and then uh, the morning meteorologist from the CBS affiliate, uh, a woman named Kelly Bain. Uh, she was awesome. Uh, we got a lot of feedback. It was like, oh, my gosh, thank you for having a female, you know, meteorologist do a presentation. It was awesome. Uh, my mom went. My twin sister went. And they were both were like, it was so cool to see a woman up there doing this. And her graphics were pretty. And it made the PowerPoint <laughs> look really nice. Not saying the other ones weren't. But you could totally tell a guy did it. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. And so we'll post the videos. Um, and I got to go through and edit all these stuff today at some point. So those videos will be posted on the Oregon and AMS uh, Facebook page and um, yeah, it was it was just really cool. But yeah, general consensus is we're going to be in that Lanada, um, <laughs> and so Faye is where it's not really, you know, El Nino or not really La Nina. So uh, for Oregon and the Pacific Northwest, for a lot of our big snowfall years, it happens to be in this intro neutral phase. So uh, knock on wood that we could have a very snowy winter out here. Yes, I hope so. I mean, you know, we're already like 13 inches ahead of you, so y'all should probably just get on our level. Right. Well, I mean, our, our mountains have caught up, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I know the topography of Oklahoma relatively well, and I know you guys do have some mountains, um, a thousand feet, two thousand feet high, are not really mountains in my book, but hey, to each their own. <laughs> We are proud of our tiny mountains. Thank you. Yes, your tiny mountains are more like hills to me, but that's okay. I get it. We all love it. Yeah, well, when you come through Oklahoma, be sure you're chewing gum for the change in elevation issues. Uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll do. My ears will pop. (laughs) They will. So hard. When I go from Tulsa to Oklahoma, or Oklahoma City to Tulsa, and I gain, what, like 33 feet of elevation? I'll make sure I'll do that. Yeah, bring extra gum just in case. Oh, you always got to have extra gum for a road trip. Come on. <laughs> right, whether or not you're changing elevation, you need the gum. Exactly. By the way, what was the name of that restaurant that I want to go to when I come back to visit? Um, has all the cool like neon signage, and it's like northeast of you in Oklahoma City. It's really famous. It's like a truck stop, and you could buy like merchandise. They have really good food. We talked about. Are you it. talking about pops? Yes, pops. 
Yeah, the soda place. It's got every flavor of soda ever, but then they also have like diner food. Yes, yes, pops. Yes. I want to visit pops because I hear they're high in elevation. <laughs> they are. They're up there in Edmond. I mean, they're they're on the top of the peak. Perfect. I want, yeah, I want to go visit pops. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So it was a uh, it was really cool to you know watch all the forecasts and stuff. Had a lot of fun. We raffled around uh, raffled away a Davis weather system, which was cool, and we raffled out a trip to the Oregon coast, which is always really popular. Um, I actually had these two giant like thermometers that were have been in my closet. Gosh, probably five or ten years. Work great, and we're like, hey, you know, I'm just gonna raffle them off, and it was awesome. But, um. Had temperature on there, had the humidity on there, and then it had a graph that was printed that had heat index and wind chill factor. And so nice. the, the meteorologist from the Fox affiliate, Mark Nelson, who does our winter recap, he never does a forecast, but he goes back and looks at what happened since we last had this meeting. He was like, uh, this has a wind chill, like thing on it how do people know what it is i'm like well that's a really good question mark there's no anemometer it doesn't have wind speed i'm like it's just really pretty and painted <laughs> so i was like oh and i was like and it also has a heat index i was like hey mark what exactly is a heat in- index he goes well it just basically means that you know if it's humid and hot that's a heat index i'm like folks that's what your university of washington ed- education gets you by the way hashtag go ducks and the entire crowd lost it <laughs> So it's fantastic. We have a University of Washington meteorologist on our council. I'm the duck. We have two guys from the from Washington State University, a guy from the University of Utah. So, yeah, the Pac-12 conference is well represented uh, on our executive council in the Oregon AMS. So we all like to, you know, gently stab and poke each other. <laughs> well, if we're going to take a tiny football tangent, let's just oh. point out that, oh, you lost to Kansas. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, what the uh... – I'm sitting at lunch with the AMS guys and you know, it's a college football Saturday. I know my ducks play later on the night. I know OU is playing Kansas state and I'm thinking, I don't need to look at the score. There's no reason to Kansas state is terrible. And Oklahoma is the top five team in the country. And then I get the notification that there is a close game and I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) And I'm like, right. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Oklahoma just scored. Okay, and then it says Oklahoma has the ball back. Cool, they're going to go down and score and win the game. And then next thing I know, I get a notification. Kansas State upsets Oklahoma, and I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Not good. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll i be honest, I don't really know how that affects rankings, but I'm pretty sure that dropped us and raised up Kansas. So I. Uh, uh... Yeah, let me tell you. The AP Top 25 just came out. I'll tell you what happened to Oklahoma. And I looked at it, and I don't remember. I'm sorry. I just saw my Ducks moved up to number seven. After winning on a last-second field goal. Now people are saying when the schooner tipped over last week that that was an omen. No, it was not an omen. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Oklahoma dropped from 5 to 10. Oh, and Kansas State went from... Kansas State did not receive a single vote. Kansas State is still terrible. Oh, well, okay. Well, that's good then. Yeah. As long as they're still terrible. Right. So here's your new top 25. Uh, LSU jumps Alabama for the number one spot in the country, followed, like I said, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, who I can't stand, Clemson, Penn State, <laughs> Florida, uh, Oregon, go Ducks, Georgia at eight, Utah, another Pac-12 team at nine, Oklahoma at 10, Auburn 11, Baylor 12, Minnesota, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yes. 
What a Golden Gopher is, I do not know, but they are there. They're 13th. My Michigan Wolverines jumped from 19 to 14 following their big win over Notre Dame. The undefeated Mustang Ponies of Southern Methodist is our 15. Notre Dame 16, Cincinnati 17. Poor Wisconsin. Wisconsin was a top five team and then got beat two weeks in a row. Ohio State throttled them yesterday. Uh, they dropped to 18. Iowa 19. Appalachia State at 20. Boise State 21. I take the back. Kansas State is still terrible. They're at 22. They're 5 and 2. They were unranked and now they're ranked. Uh, 23 Wake Forest. 24 is the Memphis Tigers. And your San Diego State Aztecs come in at number 25. Wow. Well, oh. hey, at least we're still in the top 10, and hopefully we can move back up a bit. Right, and I love, I love how all Texas fans were like, oh, Oklahoma lost, and then Texas went and lost. So, eh. <laughs> so take that, Texas. Yeah, Texas would be technically 26th in the poll. They're the hmm. highest non-ranked team to receive votes. So, What an achievement. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, Oregon 7, Oklahoma 10, Michigan at 14. Uh, yeah, there we go. But yeah, I can't. You said Ohio State, who I hate. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand. I cannot stand Ohio State University. And if somebody <laughs> ever uh, yells at me, "Oh, and you're supposed to respond, "I O," I literally look at them and say, "Oh no." <laughs> oh, oh I am, my god! I am salty toward the Buckeyes. That's okay. I think everybody is. Yeah, I'm just tired of them. People from Ohio have a complex. <laughs> so if you're listening from Ohio, I apologize, but you guys have a complex. Work on that. Please. You don't need to tell me that you know how to spell your state name. Okay, it's not hard. It is four letters. So proud of you. And two of the letters are the same. Right. So. In theory, you technically need to know three letters to spell your state name. But then I think you say the same about the state of Tennessee. That's four letters. <laughs> T E N E S E yeah four. Oh, Mississippi's the same, right? Just four letters. Uh, M I S P yeah. How does that yeah. work? Oh, I don't know. M I crooked letter crooked letter I crooked letter crooked letter I humpback humpback I boom just spelled it. Right. So I learned how to spell it in second grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyways, yeah. Somebody ever yells to you, OH, just be like, uh, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you follow college football and you know who Buckeye Guy is, he's a guy that walks around with a cape and a cowboy hat in Ohio State jersey, he charges you money to take a photo with him. Just that that's all you need to know about how cool Ohio State is. Wow, that is ridiculous. It is. But I digress. <laughs> he still owes me five bucks, anyways. <sighs> yeah. So, so from weather to football, small spelling lesson, yeah. and now back to yeah. weather. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get back on the freeway. So just to wrap up, <laughs> Oregon AMS conference was great. Um, I hope we get a lot of low elevation snow. It would be fantastic. But uh, yeah. Um, and I will say this, it was really funny yesterday going through talking with, you know, most of the meteorologists in the city were there. And so it was cool just to kind of wrap with them. But, you know, going into the forecast, we had looked at all day. It was going to be really nice. Cool. I had to come home and take a nap. I was <laughs> setting up the forecast and the conference with like four and a half hours of sleep before I went to work 
last night at the bar and the Halloween party. But Bonnie, I get woken up to a lightning alert, and I'm like, no. No, there's no way. Absolutely wow. not. Open the window, clear skies, and I was like, this is weird. So I look at, you know, pull open the radar app, and sure enough, here come some clouds and storms off the Cascades. I'm like, where was this from? And huh. so, you know, I'm having to get ready to go to work, so hop in the shower real quick. And lightning alerts just keep chiming, keep chiming, keep chiming. So I get in the car, head into work, and then I finally get a view to the east and huge thunderhead, classic anvil overshooting top, well-defined lines, no, you know, spillover, uh, it, no, you know, like smoothness. It's all rugged. And I was like, okay, you know, this is a big deal. So I sent a group text message to everybody in the, on our council. I was like, so dot, 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 did anybody have today's convection in their forecast? question mark and everybody's like what are you talking about i was like go look outside and they're like oh yeah we missed that <laughs> oops hey it happens things pop up out of nowhere it's we true. are very much used to that it is true and so that was really cool just to see some you know some i you know some uh hidden meteorology or hidden weather that nobody was expecting to pop up so that was cool uh got a little bit of rain out of it but yeah it's all good it happens and then went and had a costume contest at work <laughs> nice yes where the lady who won $200 I kid you not was a woman whose costume was struck by lightning <laughs> wow that was an omen then she was holding a red umbrella that had been tattered with a lightning bolt that looked like it was hitting it she had put like you know yellow Christmas lights around the lightning bolt and then her hair was kind of frizzed out and she had like tattered and burned clothes and her face looked like she had like smoke you know the smoke look if you've you know been around a fire long enough or you've been in a fire where you gotta have that ashy skin look uh yeah, yeah so she was she milked it for all it's worth and walked away with 200 bucks so awesome it was, it was a great costume absolutely great costume Hey, anything weather-related, I'm down for. Right. So, yep, I'm glad she won. And everybody's like, oh, the contest was rude. Do you like the weather? I'm like, no, I didn't choose the winner. The crowd chose the winner. Well, chose the winner. So, But it was still, it was a great costume. I was like, yeah, this is really legit. So I was glad she won. It was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds so fun. See, and I didn't do anything for Halloween this year. Usually I'll go out to a club dressed up too. And right. you know what? I just didn't do it this year. Well, you still have till Thursday. I mean, Thursday is officially the Halloween day. So I'm sure everybody will show up to ladies night dressed up in a costume. I won't be because I just won't be. Come on, do it. Yeah, I don't have any costumes to wear. I just, I'm not a big costume guy. You can make one. Yeah, I could. You could find a buddy, and you go as a tornado and have your friend go as a cow. Boom. Right. My mom actually went to work uh, in the um, retirement home slash uh, nursing facility where she worked as a tornado last year. See, that's awesome. Yes, she took a hula hoop and then had a bunch of, like, gray, like, mesh fabric. And then she, like, stitched in little um, John Deere tractors and cows. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. See, my mother's creative. Me, not so much on that end. Oh. Audio, video, yeah, creative all day long. Costumes, not so much. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad she went as a tornado. I fully support. Yeah, it was epic. It was epic. All right. Well, speeding tornadoes and forecasts and everything else, what do you guys have coming up in Oklahoma? Well, 
let me just like back it up a little bit. It's been pretty cold the past few days. It rained all day Thursday, Friday. I mean, like rained. And then finally the sun came out yesterday. It was still pretty chilly, but the sun was out. Sun is out today. We're going to hit like 70, 72-ish. And then boom, a big old cold front coming through tonight into tomorrow. And we've got highs in the mid-40s for the rest of the week. Rain and Maybe a tiny snow chance at some point during the week, but it won't last long because it would be like a morning snow thing and then it'd be gone. Because um, one of our lows is going to be around 30, 31 in the middle of the week, so we might have some morning snow. Um, but yeah, we're, we're uh, basically looking at cold with rain chances uh, on and off for this whole week. I'm kind of excited. Like I'm like, ooh, all my sweaters. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so that's us. That's what we've got going on. No humidity. That's pretty legit. <laughs> well, that's, you know, at least you guys have something interesting. The one thing that we have, it's, you know, it's a beautiful day out here today. I mean, it's sunny. Temperature's going to be just about 60. I'm happy about that. Um, we don't really have any rain or wind or snow or anything like that. Siri, I wasn't talking to you. Um, <laughs> my watch just starts chiming in to make a comment. Um, but one of the things that we're looking at is possibly Tuesday night. Um, with a gap wind event or a down slope wind event. And currently right now, it's like Monday into Tuesday, east winds gusting 30 to 50 miles an hour, um, down trees, power lines, power outages possible. Um, but we're going to get a shot of reinforced cold air and probably the coldest of the air uh, for the season that we've seen so far. And so temperatures are going to, you know, kind of drop down and not recover. But... Um, you know, highs right now on Tuesday will struggle to make it out of the lower 40s. Um, wind, you know, because it is windy, at least the atmosphere mixes a little bit, so it won't be that cold. But temperatures will get down to probably just about freezing. So uh, lots of frost, stuff like that. But, yeah, it's going to be uh, clear and cold for the next uh, couple days. Plus windy. So that'll be fun. I might have to make a trip out to the Crown Point uh, in the gorge and see if we can get winds up to like 80 or 90 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, and I'll take the animal. We'll take video, and it's a, it's a good time. Yeah, always. Yeah. It's my last Ooh. week of freedom, so I'm excited. <laughs> Why? Oh, back to work uh, a week from Monday. Um, yeah, working at Amazon, doing some stuff, and then I picked up another job where I'm transcribing videos. So that's cool. Oh, nice. I'm putting subtitles on that. Uh, and then I got a DJ wedding next Sunday, which should be fun. Good. I bet I like. I bet you like those DJ jobs, don't you? Like I the do. Little... The, yeah, the the weddings are fun because you know you get to share people's joy and you get to kind of control the process, and it's fun. And Plus you I, get cake and drinks. Uh, yeah. I I still haven't figured out if I want to be that DJ that like <laughs> that gets food and drinks. Like I'm okay with drinks and cake if it's offered. Like, That's what I mean. If they offer it, yeah. like I'd be like, uh, "Yeah, give me that cake." Yeah, if they offer, yeah, I'll have a piece of cake. I like cake. Everybody loves cake for the most part. Some people don't, and I just don't know how I feel about those kind of people. Yeah, I don't either. I'm sorry if you can't have cake. I like to have my cake and eat it too. I know that's completely the wrong <laughs> phrase, but hey, it works. <laughs> Same. Right, but so yeah, it'll be fun. So yeah, next Sunday DJ at wedding, and then uh, I have training Amazon. Oh yeah, and election day is Tuesday. So if you have any uh things to vote on please make sure you vote um i am a county elections worker 
So I will be uh, out there collecting ballots. So, hey, nice. You, you just do a little bit of everything. Don't I do. You? If you can't complain about the, you can't complain about the process if you're not involved. So I'm involved. I'm allowed to complain about the process. Boom. That's how, Boom. It, that's how it happens. See, that's having your cake and eating it too. That is. That is true. But yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun week coming up. Um, yeah, I hope we do get some really good wins. It would be nice to have and uh, makes for some fun, you know, videos and Twitter. So we appreciate you guys following us at Weather Podcast and then personal pages at Bobby Corser. You're at Bonster7, which is still a great name. <laughs> And here's, yep. here's how tired I was this morning. I went to type like your name and send your text and I was like Bizzle and I'm like, why is it not coming up? I'm like, oh yeah, it's Bonnie on my phone. <laughs> you should change it. You should change it to Bizzle. I should. I might. We'll see. We'll see. But I will tell you all listeners, we have got um, some possible exciting guests yes. getting lined up for the next few weeks. Um, so stay tuned. Some fun guests might be popping on and off here. So We are excited. We cannot wait. Big things coming. Yes. It's going to be a fun, fun winter season here on B-Squared. Well, Bonnie, another great edition of the show. I am excited for what the future holds, and I cannot wait to talk to you next week. Same here. All right. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we shall indeed chat with you next week. Bye.